Hi, I'm Will Jarvis. And I'm Will's dad. We both love and are fascinated by stories. Stories about people. Stories about places. And stories about events. Our stories give shape and form to life. They give texture, color, and rhythm to the blank canvas that every new day presents to us. And they do that by informing us of our past as a directional marker for our future. Okay, Will, it's narrative time. Tell me a story. Hey, folks, it's a cool Sunday morning here in uh, central North Carolina. I'm sitting here with Glenn Jarvis, my brother, and uh, we've got some really interesting things to talk to you about today. Today we're talking about AI, artificial intelligence. That's right, artificial intelligence. So uh, a recent news item that uh, I came across, have you ever played with GBT2? Never. Okay, so GBT2, um, it's a language transformer. It's a, uh, it's a special AI algorithm that is super powerful. Um, OpenAI, which is a nonprofit in uh, San Francisco, actually created it, and they're trying to prove what kind of text al- algorithms can do. So these algorithms can actually write text if given a prompt. Um, so they just released a the newest version, GPT-3, which is orders of magnitude better. It uses more, it was trained on more data, um, so it, it's a lot better at writing than uh, GPT-2 was. So I just wanted to read everyone some poetry from one of my favorite uh, poets, William Blake. And um, uh, someone we know, well, someone we like to read, fed, fed it into GPT-3 as a prompt, and then GPT-3 spit out a, a poem. Um, so we'll read that too. So uh, we use The Tiger by William Blake. And you guys might know this. It's Tiger, Tiger, Burning Bright, In the Forest of the Night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? Um, so that was kind of the prompt they used. So they fed that in the algorithm. And GPT-3 came back with, And, O oh, Tiger, what shouts with thee? What glory was with us? Was mid those forests thee, when our first ancestor and thee, being a tiger, slew, I can imagine you proudly roar and say, I am the tiger. That's pretty deep. So that is, yeah. I'm moved. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I, I think the, the interesting thing about this is uh, just how, uh, you know, it's not amazing, but I, I'd say it's like, it's... Better than high schooler level. Yeah, better than a high school level uh, student. <sighs> Um, coming across the uh, the wire there, which I think is super interesting. Um, so I I think you know I mentioned this to to kick us off because I think uh, it, it's something people can relate to. It's something to know about, it, and I think it really brings us into the the real world today. Um, like this is the current you know state of the art algorithm um, for artificial intelligence and text um, creation generation, and um, just just so where does that leave us for the future, Glenn and and I know we were talking earlier this week about artificial intelligence, and we actually have some uh, views that kind of uh, branch out from each other on this and what the future really looks like for us. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, the potential for AI is really vast. I mean, we just heard some moving poetry written by a computer. And, I mean, that's kind of out there for what AI could do. Um, our first thoughts on AI would be like automation, that grandized term where 
Andrew Yang wants to reduce, um, you know, human suffering because automation is going to take all our jobs, quote unquote automation. Right. You know, AI has huge potential for automation. We could make, it could design the products to design whatever product we want. So, um, so is there, is there a distinction between artificial intelligence and software? Yes. So software is something as simple as the logic behind um, a, com- a computer would say, you know, uh, if this, then that, and then, you know, while doing this, do that. And so- something as simple as logic like that. And so, but a- artificial intelligence is uh, the generation of new ideas from, so like, like your poetry, um, from sets of data that are correlated in, in some manner and so like humans do this not artificially you know naturally but naturally natural intelligence and we take in a bunch of data from our surroundings and we also take take in data from ourselves right we self-generate and then we come up with you know what we term meaning and then we figure out how to do things and and that's kind of what we deem intelligence is uh having a goal and figuring out how to do it that's yeah, that figuring out part is the most important. That, that's super interesting. So it seems like, so I'm reading a book called Joe, uh, excuse me, it's by Joe Henrich. Um, it's called um, Secrets of Our Success. And it's a really interesting book because he's a, uh, he was an aerospace engineer by training, went back and became an anthropologist who's now kind of like an economist. So he's kind of been all over the place. Wow. Yeah. Of all traits. <laughs> exactly. So uh, he, in the beginning of Secrets of Our Success, I haven't finished it yet, but um, he goes on this huge tangent about how humans like uh, are actually like fairly underpowered in terms of raw like processing power. So like you know three year olds are regularly beaten by you know chimpanzees on all kinds of like pattern matching tasks and things like that, um, or it's much closer than people would like to realize. Um, okay, and so not only against computers but also against the biological like counterparts that we have to that's reference right. ourselves. That's right. And even like, uh, so corvids, I don't know. Do you know what a corvid is? A corvid is a crow. Crow, ravens. A uh, bird. Ravens, so they uh, they can uh, outperform us on some tasks, which is oh, man. pretty interesting. Um, but his point was that uh, essentially what humans are really good at is copying, actually. Really? So, yeah. So, like, what we do is that we're really good at finding. So, there's something about human nature, which is really important, that it's it's finding high-status individuals and copying their behavior. That makes a lot of sense. So like you copy like successful people. That's essentially, um, it's like, so what humans are really good at is pattern matching and, and finding like things that align. You know, he also mentions these things where these ideas, his idea is that, you know, if you dropped a human off in the middle of the woods in like, uh, you know, let's say somewhere in the jungle and some tropical climate um, and you, you drop the chimpanzee there you know the human would end up much worse off oh yeah uh which i don't know like you know i guess without any training it would would be difficult to and and he also mentions you know like there's all these uh you know quite a few conquistadors and um you know uh north um antarctic explorers died 
even though there was like all these things they could have done, but it was like very difficult to figure out without cultural learning. So like, you know, uh, there's all things that, you know, there's plenty of things that uh, native people knew how to manage that just you couldn't figure out, even though like you're, you know, we're pretty smart. It's just, it's impossible to figure out without cultural learning that came before us and copying what's successful. Like, like simple things like there's certain, what, you know, what plants you can eat, what insects you can eat, which ones you can't. And, um, you know, a lot of cultures have different kind of, uh, taboos around eating things. Right. And that can actually be like, oh, this is actually poisonous, but it, it's not like a conscious reasoning around that. It's like, uh, it, it's just passed down. Right. So humans are really good at copying long story short. That makes a lot of else. sense. Yeah. I mean, this pe- people think, um, so humans are really, really smart as a species for sure. And, yeah. um, computers are also really, really smart as a collective. Yeah. So, you know, an individual computer is powerful, but drop you off in the middle of a desert with a computer. I mean, what can you do? And not much. Right. right. But connect your computer to the worldwide internet. You're very powerful. That's right. And so, um, artificial intelligence also has this quality or could be designed to have this quality of shared learning, multiple intelligences with multiple experiences, um, communicating ideas and, um, expressions. Um, I think that that is the major part of our intelligence that makes us powerful over other animals. But I also think there are other elements of intelligence, which are incredibly important. And, um, just to go through a few of them, like, um, there's many forms of intelligence. Like we say intelligence, but that's a very, that's a very broad term. And when people first think of intelligence, they think like, like quickness, like how, how like much horsepower do you have? Raw, yeah. Raw horsepower in, in, yeah, the, the chipset of our brain. Mm-hmm. If, if our brain is our CPU, working what's our memory and yeah, exactly. And, um, that's not the end of the story though. That's obviously not the end of the story. Um, we also have crystallized intelligence, quote unquote. And so that's like, you know, you, you ask somebody how much vocabulary they have and they have to go learn it, right? They have to spend time putting that into their memory banks, you know, downloading it to their hard drive. And then they can build a large index of crystallized intelligence, but that's not the end of the story either. We also have what we deem wisdom, you know, um, I'll go into that later, but wisdom is really important. It's kind of choosing not only how to conquer a task, but which task to conquer and also how to go about conquering it. And there's also like insight and insight is even different than wisdom. And insight is like, you can see, um, how, like the process of something, or you can see patterns within something. And I think that's what you were saying earlier. It's like we copy and we see what to copy out of the patterns that we, yeah. What do you pattern match out? Exactly what we recognize. And then we also have, uh, like creativity is ob- everybody raves about creativity. Like, Oh, everyone's creative. Like that's not true for sure. Yeah. That's not true, but definitely everyone has some small potential of creativity. And that's, that's the create generation of new ideas is how it's generally thought of. But really it's like the randomization of like shooting out in different directions for, right. for that's how you get new ideas is, you know, you have a thousand bad ideas and then yeah. bam, you have a really good idea that's so different than everyone else because you spent a lot of resources on, you know, generating random ideas. And so creativity is definitely an important component of intelligence. And that's what everyone says like, Oh, machines can't be creative. Like, I mean, 
obviously we just heard a very creative um, poem from, right. from a machine. And then also you have this resource management idea. It's like um, we have a monkey brain that says, you know, I, I understand you want to be like smart right now. I understand you want to do this podcast, but you have to breathe. If you don't breathe, no more podcasts. <laughs> exactly. Like step number one, take in important. air, let it out. Yeah. And it also goes like, you have to sleep right now. Like you are not allowed to not sleep, period. Yeah. Yeah, and so our conscious minds like aren't the only form of intelligence that we have. It's like- All these background processes running. Yeah, it's, it's almost intelligence of design from the evolution of random creation and destruction. Very cool. And so, you know, that's just a couple of the components of intelligence that, you know, you can compare these like, how good are humans at this? Like very right. good at almost all of them. Yes. How good are machines at this? Like very good at a few of them. Like machines are very quick in AI and right, IQ, right. right? So like, like are almost arbitrarily fast. You know, you put another CPU and they're that much quicker. That's right. So they they have unlimited working, like let's say near unlimited working memory. Right. Uh, you you can huge amounts, like unfathomable amounts of working memory, and yeah. then um, processing capability just just arbitrarily large, like. It's, it's literally how much money you put into it will dictate how much return of like CPU speed or how much, you know, memory you have, how much random access memory. Because um, all you have to do is you have to go to Amazon.com and say, okay, AWS. spin up another wow. server. Yeah, another one. And they'll say, it's you know, five more dollars, you got however many right, more. Right. Yeah. So, so I think this leads us to a, a, a super interesting distinction here between um so human uh, humans and the difference between humans and machines like machines can be unfathomable unfathomably fast and have unfathomably amounts of like raw kind of strength brute strength in this uh sense but if we go back to our example where we had the chimpanzee and we had the human and we had now let's add a can let's add gpt3 to the mix running on my laptop right. um and we drop it off in a tropical um uh, you know, environment, a, de a, a, a tropical forest, rainforest, you know, miles away from contact and they, we have to survive. Um, so if I'm looking at this, uh, you know, GPT-3 stands no chance. Zero. Okay, no chance. It's we sit on the ground in a laptop. chance and maybe chimpanzees higher. So I, I think this is, this does bring up something important, right? Like it's, it, it's that uh, humans, uh, we we lack um, this raw power aspect, but we do have a certain capability to adapt to new situations where modern algorithms cannot really adapt. Like you can't take a text algorithm and feed in uh, and, and tell it to generate videos. Right. And I think what we've done as humans with the generation of software after, you know, the huge computer uprising is or a computer revolution is we have this information revolution. And so what we're doing is almost forging a environment in which an AI algorithm would thrive and already are thriving. Like we have right. really like low level AIs, which, you know, are working for Google, like, um, deep mind and image recognition. If you Google search, so exactly. you can go to image search and plug in an image and it will actually search the image. I don't know if you guys know that's kind of a cool thing to see. Exactly. Um, or how Facebook knows who's in what photo. It's another good example. Yep. And so, um, it, it, it really shows that like 
um, no longer are we in the, in the case where we're just dropping off whatever intelligence we have into, you know, the wilderness. It's instead into a Petri dish of, you know, prehistoric soup from which the microorganisms of artificial intelligence might arise. And so, um, and it's actually a really, it's like these artificial intelligences aren't at the amoeba stage. They're, they're like already multicellular organisms. Yeah. And a really weird, like, it's so interesting, right? Because in some sense they are, you know, incredibly advanced. And then in some sense, like incredibly basic. Yeah. Basic. Right. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I think, um, it, it's partially the way the the process of design is kind of like that. Yeah, it's you know you have um, you have a cart for a very right. long time, and but I mean a, we a, you know a cart with wheels is so much better than a sled. Right, and then you have oh man, this cart has you know a a, a greased axle. It's right. so much better, and then. As soon as you have the greased axle, you have, oh Lord, we have engines, and now we have cars, and now we have a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, right? And um, and the difference between greased axle and Lamborghini is like a hundred years, while the difference between, you know, a cart with wheels and a cart with greased wheels is like, or with a greased, you know, hard bearing axle is like, right, thousands of years, right? And so, um. So not only can the design process uh, quickly ramp up, like exponentially, um, if artificial intelligence can design itself and do it in a way which is actually productive, um, almost instantly, like almost overnight, you will have an intelligence which is so intelligent, like it would it would make us seem like really dumb. And not just with the IQ quick, quickness, not just with with right. that but with all aspects of intelligence super interesting so um yeah i i find this uh this super intriguing i i've got this idea that the the way these algorithms will actually develop is we're going to continue a pace at this kind of like uh this pace where language transformers end up getting better and better and better and like you know image recognition gets better and better and better and things like that um but there's not going to be a generalized intelligence until we get good enough imaging technology. So here's what I'm going to, I've got this, this weird idea. Uh, I got this from Robin Hanson. He's an economist at George Mason university. And he has this idea where, okay, we don't really know how the human brain is able to, like we said, plop it in the middle of the jungle and figure things out or try and figure things out like novel situations. How do we deal with novel situations where you've never seen something like it before? Right. Um, which is something that modern algorithms are terrible at. In fact, they just can't handle it. Like they, right. at, they actually just can do nothing. Um, so his idea is that, okay, we get really good imaging technology so we can image our brains at a, the atomic level. And just, just like a, a video game simulation, we just run a physics simulation. So we run a physics simulation and we've got all the data from the imaging technology for your brain and we can run an emulation of a human brain. Right. So that means that what we could do is, well, once you've got it on a computer, you've got a human brain on a computer, you can run it faster, you can run it slower, so you can train someone, you know, up to, you know, your level in mechanical engineering in five minutes, you know, you just yeah press compute button up, 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 
press go. Um, and his idea is this is the next kind of uh, great leap forward in terms of like the industrial revolution, mod, you know, agriculture, things like that for growth potential for the human species. Um, so if you think about it like that, I think the good thing about that is it's like a concrete path forward. Like I can, I can think through that. I, I can't see the algorithms just getting better and then becoming generalized one day just out of the blue. Right. And, and that's been actually my big critique about uh, a lot of the rationalist uh, fear of AI and things of that nature is they, they're like, oh, like, how's this thing going to think? How's it going to, you know, like it's going to eat us. Um, and I think, well, it'll act just like humans because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be human brains that we just speed up because we don't fundamentally understand. And I don't think there's a good path forward to understand how human brains compute and things like that and, and how they work exactly. Too I, complex. I actually... I disagree on the path towards a generalized AI being through the human brain interface. Emulation? Yes. You don't think it'll be emulation? I don't think it'll be emulation. I think that that is a potential way forward, but, um, and I think it actually is a, is a lucratively potential way forward, but I think uh, there's, it, it's a designable problem. Interesting. I think it's, it's really interesting. actually really designable because, um, people are really good at design like people think oh man like we're not actually that good at like making things but actually like people are like really amazing at making making things like designing things and taking from first principles to like a really practical application of like understood knowledge and so um i'd like even uh, even before you get there if you don't mind i i think this is super interesting because i think this is a this is a uh this is a fundamental different way in which we see the world, which right. I think is super interesting to highlight. So I tend to think that humans are very poor at creating new things. Like I think it's almost impossible, like essentially, and it very rarely happens. I think we're very good at copying things. So that's why like, I, I, I like, actually, I don't believe that um, people are able to really invent just new stuff in general. Like I think it's incredibly difficult. It very rarely happens. I think generally we're always driven towards just copying. And that's why this model makes sense to me because I believe like there's, it's easy for us to copy things. It's more difficult for us to just come up with new things. Right. You're much more uh, bullish on uh, uh, human agency, which I like. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, if you take a coding class and, um, then you will quickly see that um, there's this form of copying that is creative. And and I think it's you see how something works. You have this insight. You yeah. say, oh, I totally understand it. Like addition is just you take two values and it's the values stacked on top of each other or something. Right. It's just like if you have grains of sand in a bucket. Like that's all addition is and multiplication. That's just like when you're or whatever. And, and, yeah. um, I think this is like the real power of humanity is like, or human intelligence is that, um, we can like go up and down levels of complexity really quickly. So like, um, do you know what data compilation is? No. So it's, you have like binary and you have like a million ones and zeros. And then you say, I'm going to take this, these two numbers to can you, hexadecimal. Can you, can you describe what binary is? Binary is a counting system, which uses only the digit one and the digit zero. And so count normally counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine is uh, base 10 and binary is base two. So you, so we have 
10 digits, zero through nine, and binary only has two, which is zero and one. And so it takes a lot more digits to represent the same number. So like to represent the number four uh, in binary, you have to say one zero. So, so it's kind of like, um, so this is important because computer ships uh, on or off? Yes. Okay. And, you know, you could make a computer, which isn't just in binary. But um, so data compilation takes large, huge amounts of data and then makes it really easy to communicate pretty much. So you could go from binary to hexadecimal and hexadecimal has, um, I think it's like 18. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, it's zero through 10, sorry, zero through nine and then A through G, I think. Kind of like music, A through G. So quite a few more numerals there. Exactly, way more numerals. And so they can use numbers with much less digits because, um, and so it, it, it's kind of this idea like, okay, I could tell you, it's kind of like you, you can write TLDRs, right? Gotcha. So you what, could have a TLDR huge, just for the too long un, didn't read uh, to the uninternet audience. Yeah, it, it means too long didn't read. So data compilation is is kind of like a TLDR. Gotcha. Is you can get almost 100% accuracy of what an idea means in a very short statement. So gotcha. the TLDR of this podcast is AI scary, right? Ah. Um, yeah, that's it. And so in two words. I summarize the whole podcast, right? right? You lose data, but you also, um, right. So you can, you can almost, you can decompile. So you can, you can compress the data and you can un decompress the data. Gotcha. And so it, you can make a lot of data in a small package and then back into a big package. So the way that humans do this, and a lot of people don't think about this is, um, imagine you're learning martial arts and, um, you say, okay, so I'm going to punch something. How do I learn to punch something? You know, so if you're on the finite level, if you're, you're, if you're totally expanded data, you say, I'm going to bring my arm up at 10 degrees or whatever. I'm going to apply this much force, Wham. twist my hips this much. But your martial arts instructor is going to say something like, move like water. Yeah. And then from move like water, you can take out all of the information of like, you know, I'm going to yeah. twist my hips this much. I'm going to, right. So, but you lose some of the data, but also you can, you can abstract that much data from it. Right. And so humans are really, really good at compiling and decompiling data and also seeing and copying the information that is within those ideas really quickly. And gotcha. um, a great way to think about this is like all speech is, is we're moving our mouths, noise is coming out, and then you're reading my mind from that. Yeah, exactly. It's kind so, of telepathy a little bit. Almost telepathy, right. And we lose a little bit because we don't perfectly understand each other. Yeah. But like that's what's really powerful is that we can communicate vast amounts of knowledge from wiggling our lips and vibrating air. Right. Right. It's wiggly air, but it's also infinite <laughs> knowledge or whatever. It's weird, yeah. And, um, and so that's what humans are really, really good at is... Com compressing and decompressing data. Gotcha. And um, how did we get on this? So I, we were talking kind of the distinction between uh, algor algorithms and artificial intelligence and human intelligence and 
pathways to general intelligence. So uh, I, I think we've hit on this uh, in a kind of roundabout way, but maybe we should mention what AGI is. Oh, AGI, so, artificial general intelligence? Yeah. Right. So people are general intelligences, right? They can apply to any problem. Right, generally applied. Generally applied. And um, almost all the software we have, every, all the software we have now is specifically, uh, is applied. specifically applied. So you throw a image recognition software at the problem of like, what's the meaning of life? And right. And the right. image software is like, there's absolutely no way you'd ever get there. Yeah. It can't even like, yeah, it, it, right. Air. Like <laughs> you can't even type that right. into the image software. Um, but you ask that to a human and they'll at least try. Right. And they'll, they'll like, you know, maybe someone will claim to be like, Oh yeah, I totally know the, right. It's like pet dogs. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. That is a solution to the meaning of life. Maybe. Who knows? Definitely. And um, so an artificial general intelligence would uh, be artificially made, right? Like yeah. a computer, probably software programmed. Yeah. Um, maybe biologically constructed. Who knows? Right. Um, and it would be general. So it would run and, you know, construct its own questions. And right. you could ask it things and it would like try to answer them. And you yeah. could kind of ask it anything and it would kind of try to answer anything. Yeah. And um, the fact that it would be artificial would, you know, if it's a computer, it, it could have arbitrary quickness. Yeah. And it could, you know, extremely if it has, powerful. It could be extremely powerful due to the, you know, the way computers operate. That's right. That's right. So uh, it, it's uh, the biggest takeaway should be that is, is, is from that is if such a thing was created tomorrow, uh, the problem is, is what if it wanted something that you know, could be dangerous to humanity. Right. So let's talk about the potential applications for AI because I, I have a lot of them here written okay. down. Um, the first one's automation. That That's one of the ones that um, I'm very interested in. I'm a mechanical engineer and we already have design AIs which like maximize strength for weight and stuff like that. So you look at um, the panels that make up a rocket and you see these you know, hexagons. And that's because we have design AIs that told us this is the lightest way to construct this that is as gotcha. strong as possible for your given criteria. Um, you can also think about banking um, for finances. Uh, they're already running AIs that are trying to... Pattern you know, matching, make money. Exactly. Yeah. Um, another one is, you know, space travel. Right. It's like... If we want to go to Mars, do we actually want to ship a person out there? We also have to ship all the oxygen they have to breathe. Got to right. ship all the food they got to eat. Yeah. A lot of problems there. Or, you know, send a computer chip that's the size of my thumb that has a general AI on it. Right. And it'll solve all our problems and, you know, make us a great civilization so that when we go over there, we yeah. can just use all the stuff that it made for right. us. So just to interject here, it seems like... Uh important to recognize that so ai is one of these words like uh, machine learning as well that's kind of fraught with peril you know it's kind of like a it's become a cliche right so all software marketing uses it now yeah and, and there's in some sense what exists today is like really advanced software like that you would yes. think of that it's specific it's very and very specific applied and it doesn't exist in the general sense where you can like send it to you know i don't know like accounting school and have it learn um, the right. whole CPA handbook or whatever and apply that. It, it's not there yet. AGI doesn't exist. That, that's more of a general 
intelligence, kind of like we talked about. Right. But we also, we have specific processes in our minds. So like reading is a specific process and, um, it's a good point. And so kind of general intelligence is composed of many specific processes tied together. Gotcha. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons I think it, that general intelligence is a designable problem. It doesn't have to just be an emulation of a, an intelligence that we know gotcha. already. Yeah. I, I really like, uh, so I, I think that's a, that's a good point. Um, so you're, you're hitting on the fact that there, there is like a theoretical underpinning we could use to kind of get there. Right. So we had like some broad search algorithm that would apply some specific algorithm. Um, right. Uh, and, but yeah, I, again, I, I still think emulation is probably the way forward just because it's the path of least resistance. If that makes sense. For sure. Especially, and, and it also depends on like how good is imaging technology get over the next 50 years. Right. I mean, they've tried to do this. There's actually an open source project with worms. Have you seen this? I have not. No. So there's like a really simple worm. I can't remember the, the name of it, but you know, it's got like a, a small number of neurons. I can't remember what. Oh, you're and, talking about C elegance. Yeah. And, and so they yes. just straight up run a computer program that emulates that. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's on the right level because it might need to be like the atomic level or something weird like that. Definitely not. Definitely if, not. Just straight up neurons firing. Well, that That's one of the problems. It's like if our intelligence, if our consciousness is on the level of neurons. Yeah. Like neurons are fairly big. Neurons are not atomic level. Yeah, no, they're, they're cellular level. Yeah. And so. Much easier problem. Much easier problem. And I mean, if you've watched Elon Musk's most recent Neuralink uh, presentation. Can you describe that a little bit? What Neuralink is and, and the the demo? Definitely. So they have a computer chip that has tiny little wires that come out of it, like a thousand tiny little wires. And they had a robot drill a hole into a pig's skull, harmlessly, and insert these. <laughs> Not little harmlessly, wires, but the, the pigs were happy. Unquote. They seemed okay. <laughs> the pigs were happy. Better, better than most pigs end up, I would say. <laughs> yeah, probably happier lives than most pigs have. And um, but they have a hole in their skull. Yeah. Well, not anymore since they fill it with this computer chip and they they place the wires very carefully and they're able, the wires are so fine, they're so small, they're smaller than human hairs and they go between the blood vessels. So the pigs don't even bleed except for when they have the hole drilled in their skull. Um, and the wires are able to sense the firing of the neuron and they're also able to cause the firing of the neuron. And, this, and a neuron is just a... Uh, can you describe that, Will? Uh, it's kind of like um, it's so it's you could think of it as a computer chip, like a kind of a yes no. Yes, it is. Yeah, neurons are pretty much binary. They're they're pretty much binary, and um, so you can read the firing and also cause firing, which means you can read or write to that specific digit, if you want to call it that. Right. It's not really a digit, but digit of the brain, and with this. Um, they were able to predict and map the walking gait of the pig on a treadmill. And so this means um, they were reading the brain's output to the legs of the pig. Walk, walk, walk. To yeah. walk. So it was like left foot do this, right foot do yeah. this, back left foot do this. I don't, however pigs walk. Yeah. And that means... Um, what was the original? Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, so yeah, we're just describing Neuralink and how how it works and and right. So so it can read and write to the brain, and currently they have put it into a pig. They've taken it out of a pig, and the pig was healthy 
and happy, looked healthy and happy. Yeah. So the idea is eventually you'd have like a brain implant that you could like use like your phone probably. Right. Or, or well, not only use like your phone, but it has really, really vast implications of if you can read and write to a computer without thinking, typing on a keyboard, then you have such a quicker (laughs) interface with like the digital world and information. So instead of, Oh man, do penguins have knees? I have to bring up my phone. <laughs> do type penguins, in, do have, penguins knees? have knees? Or, you know, hey, Alexa. Yeah. Don't say that word too loud. Um, do they have knees? Yeah. But instead, if you could just think, do they have knees? Oh yeah, they have knees. It's all like good. You have that information Ba-ding. a thousand times faster. Right. And so that's the goal of Neuralink is to create a human brain inner human brain a brain computer interface that is um, seamless and, and like instant. And Elon Musk wants to use it to like contend with AI or at least have a symbiotic relationship with AI, which is like a noble cause. And I think the goal should be, be very careful in the design of AI. Right. And you will hopefully be able to predict it's like it, it how it's going to work. Right. So uh, Peter Thiel's great line. It's like, well, you know, so there's like the Andrew Yang people who are like, oh, God, like it's coming for our jobs. It already has come for our jobs, which I don't think I don't I think that's actually not true. <laughs> As a matter of fact, and we can talk about that in a little bit. Really? Yeah, I actually think that is not true. Um, and uh, not to the extent he says, but he right. says, you know, the first thing you'd be worried about in AGI is not whether you'll, you'll have a job. It's like whether this thing will kill me or not. It's like right. Terminator. <laughs> like, right. So- it's like, one, one question is, why would an AI want to kill you? That's a good point. So there's kind of two approaches to this. The Terminator approach is there's some truth to the universe or whatever where like human beings are ethically bad or they are functionally bad. And so they there, should there, be eliminated. Yeah, there's some part of human nature that's just quite disturbing and difficult yeah. and problematic. And, and so humans should be eliminated. That's That's the Terminator approach. There's also the approach where an AI does something unexpected and it does it so incredibly well that humans are just swept away in the process. So I call, so it's been termed the paperclip problem, but I like to call it the Amelia Bedelia problem. Do okay. you remember Amelia Bedelia? No. Amelia Bedelia is a uh, children's book where Amelia Bedelia is the maid or whatever. And yeah. whoever hires the maid is like, oh, I want you to make me a sponge cake and do this and that today. And so yeah. it's like, Amelia Bedelia is like, all right. And so she makes a cake out of sponges. And like, ah, so it's a right. misinterpretation of data. It's like, yeah. um, it's, so the paperclip example of it, I think is better, but I like Amelia Bedelia because yeah, it's kind of funny. Cool. Um, the paperclip example is, so an AI generating team says, oh, we finally cracked it. We've got general intelligence. Woo. Woohoo. And a paperclip company says, cool, sure. We'll buy it. it sounds interesting. And uh, it'll make us paperclips. Awesome. And they say, okay, General Intelligence AGI, um, I want you to make us just as many paper clips as you can. That's your goal. Make, Go for it. Make as many paper clips as you can. And we'll be rich because we'll make yeah. so many paper clips. Everybody will just pay some, a, a, lot of the, you yeah. know, a lot of money. And so the General Intelligence says, okay, cool. And in five days' time, um, the Earth has been enslaved by the General Intelligence and everyone is making paper clips. And then it says, you know what? We need to expand. We need to, you know, go build spaceships to 
go to mine asteroids to make more paperclips. And then the entire universe of paperclips. And then the entire universe is paperclips. And it's like kind of like the replicators in right. uh, Stargate. I don't know. That's kind of a nerdy example. No, no, no. That's, that's really good. That's really good. Um, and, and that's that's why, uh, yeah. So it, it's it's an important thing. So the, the future, the way it plays out, you know, it's something to watch closely because, okay, let's say if it turns out like I think it will, where we just end up emulating brains because that's the path of least resistance, um, and that's my thesis, uh, then they'll just end up being like humans and they have the same political concerns that we deal with today, except they could be much smarter and, you know, you have the smartest person in the world trained up in five minutes on any subject in the world. Um, so that has its own concerns, but that seems much more manageable than a completely new alien thing. I actually does that make sense? I I disagree with that, and and here's why. Um, if we emulate the human brain, yeah, along comes the monkey brain, right? Our yeah. our underlying this needs to happen brain, right? And that part is kind of deeply flawed in you know in a computer generated context. So. If frustration comes along with the rest of general intelligence, right. then you know you have the most intel. You have such a vast intelligence, yeah, and it gets frustrated. What happens <laughs> when the AI who you know can just immediately generate a thousand nuclear warheads says, yeah, you know, has a temper tantrum right. if it's a baby? Yeah, so I, I guess it's right. It's important to emulate the right people. I would say more Mother Teresa's less, uh, you know less t- temper tantrum baby but even mother Teresa, when she was a Could baby get mad who knows you know that's, right. that's fair her rattle <laughs> that's right and and with these things running so fast it would be difficult to tell although i, I do think it's a more I, I guess my point would be it's probably a more straightforward problem than uh agi if that makes sense like like i like coming up with agi from first principles like right. and, and managing that because like we have some sense of how humans think about things and make decisions or at least much more sense than a complete alien being if that makes sense that's true um i don't think that a designed ai agi would be a completely alien being and i think it's because it's in the framework of like human desire if that makes sense so like the designers even if they don't know exactly what an outcome will be or even if they think one outcome will happen and a different one happens. Yeah. I think it'll still be in the framework of like human design, if that gotcha. makes sense. No, that makes sense. That's super interesting. So I want to talk about C. elegans because... Yeah, let's do that. So C. elegans are this tiny little worm. And if you haven't heard of them, it's spelled C, the letter C, apostrophe, E-L-E-G-A-N-S. And okay. you can Google it real quick. It's really interesting. And so the history behind it is, you know, sometime in the 2000s, uh, a scientist said, you know, we we have really advanced technology right now. We have like video microscopes. What we're going to do is we're going to take this tiny 100-cell worm, C. elegans, and we're going to watch it grow from like a z- tiny two cells or however many cells I'm not a biologist however many cells we start from and we're going to watch it through its whole life cycle 
So these two cells replicate, and then they're four cells, eight cells. And then eventually you have this whole 100 cell worm. And it's only 100 cells, so we can like brute force the data of like, how does this thing go from two cells to a worm? Super and interesting. They pretty much did it. They, they, they got all the data. They, you know, they watched every neuron linked to every other neuron. And so they, they kind of have, they think we got this thing dead to rights, right? Yeah. We're going to, we're going to understand like, like this worm is like kind of intelligent. Like it, yeah. it hunts, right? right? It eats, it, has it gets everything scared. a normal worm does everything a normal worm does but there's this emergent property yeah of intelligence if you want to call it that of fear of these different things where you know you you can have all the data but you don't understand how this property comes out and gotcha. it's kind of like if you if you took all of the computer code and showed it to someone who can read but doesn't know how the code works. It's like they could they could kind of see some stuff and they could see the whole code, but they couldn't understand that it would. It's a separate thing. Yeah, it's it's so there's this difference between like knowing all the data and understanding how something works, and um, there's almost this emergent property of all of what makes something that complicated happen uh have these like almost magical effects like intelligence fear you know what gotcha. makes it eat right right it's super interesting and um i i don't know if i've explained what emergence is i guess uh, yeah why don't you try to do that so emergence is just like uh coming from something else like emerging from developing from some like lesser system if that makes right. is I that think a good way to say it schools of fish are really a good way to explain it so um each individual fish just follows like a couple processes like if you're if the partner on your right turns right go right and then that ripples down the line and then it causes like schools of fish can have really complicated and interesting and like quantifiable like like shapes these patterns and they move around and they like from very simple yeah they'll like leave holes around directions. sharks that are going through the schools and stuff like that and so, yeah but so we can we can see that like oh that school of fish is leaving a hole around the shark so that it doesn't eat them but we can't quantify from the individual like and we can see how each individual fish is reacting and we can see the rules by which they're reacting but we can't go from there we can't jump from one logic to the other gotcha and and so that's kind of the idea of emergent properties is that in complex system simple rules can turn into really complex like outcomes very cool that's super cool so we've talked uh, a lot about emergence um ai the futures of ai are there anything else that you wanted to cover today yeah i wanted to talk about like if you were to design ai <laughs> um like what are the requirements for design? And I think um, you'd have to be a real jack of all trades, like a real expert on many subjects in order to like gotcha. try that. And the first would obviously be computer science. Right. I think this is definitely the way towards artificial intelligence. Like maybe we could come up with like some artificial brain or something that would have intelligence, but 
if you had a brain alone in a jar, I don't think it would come up with like a human intelligence. Be difficult. Be difficult. Um, the next would be psychology. I think you, you would have to deeply understand like how humans are intelligent and how other animals are intelligent. Um, because you have to really understand like what makes intelligence what it is. Gotcha. Because it's a really abstract idea. You really have to decompose it. And um, next would be like how you inc- how, how humans encode information, like I was talking about earlier. So I think you, you'd have to be really wise on philosophy, on like religion also, because I think that's another encoded information problem is like, gotcha. we might not exp- like, I don't know, religious ideas have practical meanings that are explicit, but we don't say them because oftentimes like that eliminates like if if you know Some what the, the real rule is yeah then you might not do it and um i think also art and i think how we started the podcast today was a really good example of like how understanding like art can put that information much li- higher level of understanding exactly and um and so you, you start with like the bricks of how to make the building yeah. with computer science. And you also need to know what type of building you want. Gotcha. Yeah. What the end goal looks like. Right. Very cool. And so don't be afraid of putting on many hats. Very cool. So that, that's super interesting. So I, I think we've covered a ton today and I, I thought it was a great overview of the current state of things and where things may be going and kind of two different visions of what that looks like. Right. And if you're interested in deep learning, there is, an MIT lecture course on YouTube right now. Quite good. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you can just go to GitHub. If you know any, um, like Python, Yeah, there is a deep learning algorithm on GitHub and you can start applying deep learning, like really the basics of AI right now. And, and see how it works. Super cool. So we'll include a link, a link to all of that information so you can try it out for yourself. For sure. Super. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. It's been a great time today. I think we learned a lot. Thank you. Well, that's our show for today. I'm Will Jarvis. And I'm Will's dad. Join us next week for more narratives. 